Hey, if you've got a Bible, uh, turn with me or scroll with me, depending on how you like to do it, to Matthew chapter 5. We are, we are midway through, if you're visiting um, or if you haven't been here for a while, uh, a series we've called The Standard. And uh, it's going to be a long one, um, but it's good. Uh, my whole uh, ethos and my whole heartbeat behind this series is to really bolster our growth as disciples, that we don't want to just you know, fill a seat on a Sunday, but we want to actually grow in the likeness of Jesus to impact this world, to be the solution to the problems that we see all around us. And so part of that is actually figuring out what is our standard? What, what is my standard when it comes to certain issues in this life? And, and so we've got the little catchphrase that goes along with this series that when Jesus becomes the standard, we become disciples. And so what we're doing is jumping straight into Jesus' first massive public address, his first preach, uh, the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5, 6, and 7. And just tiptoeing, as Anna said, through that and just pulling out truth of how Jesus uh, um, explains how his kingdom works. God created us in his image and therefore has a plan and purpose for our life. Jesus comes to earth as one of us to explain and demonstrate how that life ought to be lived. So if, if we're looking for the standard, look no further than Jesus. So um, let me pray and then we'll get underway. Father, we just thank you for... This morning, we thank you for the word that you have for us. Lord, I pray, um, Lord, as Anna mentioned, that there is freedom and healing in this place this morning. I thank you for that sense that we already got in worship today, that there is something here for us. Lord, for those that might be here today feeling broken or bound, Lord, I just I, I prophesy that, that, that we would receive the freedom and the healing that you have for us. That can only be truly found in you. Lord, we just claim that today. We hold on to that promise. Lord, that be the hope that fills our sales this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, if you've been reading through Matthew 5, you've been uh, up to speed with this uh, series so far, you'll, you'll notice that the five preceding verses to where we're about to jump in today, we're up to verse 42 today, uh, 43, sorry, but the, the, the five preceding um, passages, Jesus starts with basically the, the same rhetoric, the same words, uh, it has been said, it has been said that, and then he goes to basically debunk or reestablish the truth around that issue that he starts to unpack and starts to talk about. It has been said, or in days of old, you have heard that. And so what we see here is that is Jesus is bringing in a new way to look at things, a new way to understand things. He's going to fulfill the law. And then as a part of that, when he brings in his new covenant, his new way of living with his people, he's going to show us how the new way ought to be lived. We've heard it done this way, but this is what I see says say says Jesus so we looked at anger you've heard it said that this is what happens with anger and then we looked at lust we looked at divorce we looked at oaths we looked at retaliation about what the law said about what old tradition said about what first uh, first century um, customer culture would say about that but then Jesus goes but this is what what I say and then here we find uh, Jesus again is saying this in verse um, 43 no exception. So if you're kind of a person like me who likes to join the dots, um, you've noticed that Jesus, through all these passages, if you heard it said, this is what I say, he is he's disrupting the social and religious order. What he's doing is bringing in, as I said, a new way to view these issues. He's flipping stuff on its head. Jesus is antithetical to this world. He is countercultural. He's in the world, but he's not of the world. When you and I adopt his standard, 
the same happens for us. We become antithetical to the world. We become in the world, but not of the world. We become aliens in a foreign land, the Bible would say. So we should expect resistance. We should expect opposition because we are choosing to, to go against the, the social and religious tides of this world. So let's read uh, Matthew chapter 5, verse 43 to 40. I'm going to use my, um, my new Bible. I've got those new Bible feels. This was given to me for my birthday, and it's genuine leather. And I want to thank the cow that died for this Bible. <laughs> and the trees, and the trees as well. Gosh. Take dominion in Jesus' name. All right, here we go. Matthew chapter 5, verse 43. Is no vegans here this morning, is there? No, I, the, welcome, the welcome team would have sifted those out pretty early on in the service. I'm, ki- I'm kidding, gosh. Mostly kidding, mostly joking. It's good to have, you got to have fun in church, right? You've got to be a little bit silly, a little bit serious. Verse 43, Matthew chapter 5. You've heard it said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. That makes sense, right? Love people who are like you, who are kind to you, and hate those who hate you. That sounds about right. Um, But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, so that you may be sons of your Father who is in heaven. For he makes the sun rise on the evil and on the good, and sends rain on the just and on the unjust. For if you love those who love you, what reward do you have? Don't even the tax collectors do the same. And if you greet only your brothers... What more are you doing than any other person? Do not even the Gentiles do the same. You therefore must be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. Interesting passage. I want to hinge around this thought in verse 44. But I say, because he says at the very start, you've heard it said that you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. Now, I joked about that, but that's exactly how we operate, right? If people are kind to us, we're kind to them. If people are jerks to us, we're jerks to them. We don't like people that don't like us. If people hate us, we by default resist them and kind of hate them. And Jesus is saying, yeah, that's, that's sort of, that works on a, on a very um, simplistic, humanistic level, but, but I've come in to bring a new standard where, where that's no longer good enough. That's not the standard how my kingdom operates. So here's what I'm saying to you. I'm saying to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. It's a different paradigm, different way of thinking. It's a different um, level to live at. Um, I want to read a passage from this book here, Reappearing Church. We, um, as a church, went through this uh, in a short course every Tuesday night for the last uh, 13 weeks. So it's technically not a short course. Um, It depends how you define short. Um, But going through this book, chapter by chapter, it's called The Reappearing Church by Mark Sayers. um, The Hopeful Renewal in the Rise of Our Post-Christian Culture. Hands up if you're part of this course and did this, just so we can see. Keep your hand up if you loved it. Put your hand down if you hated it. Oh, wait, oh, oh, oh. Love it. Everyone that's done it, you can put your hands down. Thank you. Um, everybody that went through this course, I've heard nothing but rave review about the hope that it's instilled in people. But um, there's this one particular passage I want to read, this, this story he tells, um, that, that I think helps paint this point that we're talking about today. Let me tell the story. Violently taken from his home by slave traders. 
Patrick found himself forced to work outdoors, exiled from his home and from his people. Alienated, enslaved and miserably cold, Patrick found a fire of faith warming, in, warming him from the inside. As he tended the flocks of his captors, in the midst of isolation and crisis, God came close, God came real. John O'Donoghue writes, Patrick is able to survive these harsh and lonely territories of exile precisely because he keeps the beauty of God alive in his heart. The inner beauty of the divine intimacy transfigures the outer bleakness. This inner intimacy brings his soul alive. It opens the world of divine imagination to his youth. Consequently, he becomes available for his destiny in a new way. Led by a series of visions, Patrick escaped his captors, returning home to Britain. He began training in the ministry and possibly trained with Martin of Tours. A remnant of believers began to coalesce around him. One night in a dream, Patrick saw a vision of his former captors who cried out to him, begging him to return and walk the ways of God among them. Inspired, Patrick returned to Ireland around AD 432. With him is his remnant, who now operate as an apostolic band. Skillfully and courageously, Patrick and his band communicate and exemplify the gospel among the Irish tribes in innovative cultural ways in which they can understand. A remarkable move of God occurs. Thousands are saved. Vast numbers of churches are planted. Priests and leaders are trained. The face of the land is, the land is profoundly altered. This, of course, is talking about St. Patrick. This is why we celebrate St. Patrick's Day. And I kind of joked in the course when we read this. It's like, I wonder how many punters at the pub knocking back skewies on St. Patrick's Day know the real reason why they're knocking back skewies on St. Patrick's Day. It's because a man by the name of Patrick, who was captured from his home by slave traders and forced into slavery to serve people, Hello, Google. <laughs> Hello, Siri, is that you? Yes. Captured. There we go, I'm back. Hey, there we are. <laughs> this is just like the comedy of errors this morning. So um, just trust me when I say this. God's going to do something powerful in about seven or eight minutes. Um, so that the previous three hours getting ready for this service has been rocky borders, but we're going to sail into healing and freedom. So he gets captured, forced into slavery, forced to serve these men who treated him poorly in harsh conditions. But the inner flame of the Holy Spirit was alive in him that gave him hope. Gave him hope, gave him visions, gave him this, this, the pieces of the puzzle to escape and ultimately to have his freedom. When he found his freedom back home, through prayer and being in the presence of God, Another vision was given to him to go back to his captors and influence them with the gospel. So, so St. Patrick did that and led multitudes to faith in Christ, which ultimately resulted in, in a massive revival pouring out in Ireland where churches were planted, ministers were trained and completely shifted the social landscape of that entire nation. So next time you dress yourself in green and you grab a beer at the pub, remember that's the reason. The reason for St. Patrick's Day is because God poured his spirit out through a man 
who, who didn't hate his enemies, but chose the standard of Jesus to love his enemies and pray for those who persecuted him. He chose a higher standard. Blessing and the power of God always flows on the other side of us making a stand to allow the standard of our life to be measured by what Jesus says, not by what we feel, not by what the world dictates, not by what our past experience would tell us, but what what the Word of God says. And when that happens, incredible things begin to happen. So today, I want to do something ridiculously practical. Remember the last couple of weeks ago, I talked about when you encounter Jesus, you should always walk away free. Because he who the Son sets free is free indeed, and it's for freedom that Christ sets us free. So when we encounter Christ, freedom is what should happen on the other side of that. If, if what happens on the other side of that is rules, reg- regulation, we feel more bound, we have not encountered Jesus, but we've encountered religion. A mere substitute wrapped in this, this gospel-flavoured wrapping paper that actually is just legalism disguised as spirituality. But when you truly encounter Jesus freedom happens when you choose the standard of Jesus it's not to keep you bound but it's to actually set you free so let's look at our enemies Jesus says love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you so who are enemies those who harm you they would be your enemies right those who've treated you poorly. They might have harmed you physically. They might have harmed you emotionally. They might have harmed you financially. They might have harmed you relationally. They might have harmed you spiritually. Those who wish you harm, they're your enemies. Those who speak ill of you, those who gossip about you, they're your enemies. So so this morning, rather than fight Fire with fire. This is the, th- the beauty about Jesus, right? Because he, he says, right, he, you've heard it said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy, which is how, how we operate as people because that's natural. It makes sense. You're nice, I love you. You're mean, I don't love you. But Jesus got the, the kingdom is different. Love your enemies. Rather than fight fire with fire, because that just makes everything inflamed, we fight fire with water to extinguish the flames. To take that which is raging and and quench it so it's no longer destructive. So we don't fight hate with hate, we fight hate with love. And Jesus gives us this beautiful picture of how to do this. Because that sounds so nice in theory. Oh, okay, yeah, I'm just going to be a disciple of Jesus. I'm going to be a bigger person. So therefore, um, for those who uh, treat me badly, those who've harmed me, wish me harm, those who speak ill of me or those who gossip about me, um, I just need to love them. Well, that, that sounds really great. But how do you do that? Jesus gives us the tool right here. Pray for those who persecute you. seems a bit simple yeah but but let me explain to you why it's so profound you can't hate what you pray for you can't hate 
what you pray for. Because prayer is this. Prayer is, is taking your broken position and stepping into God's presence through communication, through opening up our heart, opening up our mind, opening up our words to, to communicate with God. And so we step out of our reality into his presence to, to communicate with him. And so we know that God is love. So when we step into his presence, hate can't come with us. We know that God is light. So when we pray and step into his presence, darkness can't come with us. Because he is light and in him there is no darkness at all. So, so when we pray for our enemies... What Jesus is saying is, let me get rid of that. You bring your brokenness, you bring your hurt, you bring your shame, you bring your offense, you bring your bitterness, you bring all that stuff to me, all that darkness that, that person's done to you or whatever. Bring it to me in prayer. Because in me there is no darkness at all. I am the light of the world. And I will heal you of that. I will remove that from you. And today I want us to do that. I want us to pray for our enemies. And not like, hey, go away one time in the future. And when you think about this scripture again, then pray. No, no, no. And not, not, oh, when you feel like you're at that place or, oh, emotionally, I'm strong enough, I can do it. No, 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 no. On the 20th of June, 2021, at 10.30 in the morning, I want you to pray for your enemies. Pray for those who have harmed you. Pray for those who have hurt you, physically, emotionally, relationally, financially, whatever. Pray for those who have spoken poorly about you. Pray for those who gossip about you. It is truly one of the most freeing things you could do because remember when we encounter Jesus, we walk away freer. The longer we hold on to hate and bitterness, the longer we fight fire with fire, the longer it is inflamed. We need to fight fire with water. We need to fight hate with love. And we fight hate with love by entering the presence of God, who is love, who will fight on our behalf and heal our wounds and bring us freedom. So wherever you are, why don't we just shut our eyes? I'm sure you could think of a person Actually, press pause, press pause. Open your eyes. We're not all victims here, by the way. Some of us have victims. And we've hurt. And we've upset. And we've spoken poorly. And we've gossiped. And caused others harm. So remember, Jesus is blessed with the peacemakers, right? So we have an obligation on one side of the coin to as much as it is possible with us to live at peace with all mankind. So there's two parts of what we're doing this morning. We're owning our stuff. And perhaps we're asking for forgiveness 
for those who maybe we might have mistreated or maybe spoken poorly about or maybe gossiped about. But on the other hand, we're going to receive freedom and healing for those who might have caused it to us, but we might not ever get that apology from them. But that's okay because in God's presence is where the healing takes place. Regardless of what somebody may or whether they might apologize or not. Okay, now we get back to closing our eyes. Practical. So firstly, who have you offended that you need to apologize to? That's not this message, so we're going to move to the second part as well. Who is it that's upset you? Who, who is it that's hurt you? Said some stuff, maybe posted some stuff online, maybe ripped you off. Why don't you begin to pray for that person? Say, Jesus, heal them. Holy Spirit, bless their life. Remember, we can't hate what we pray for. We can't bring hate into a, a sacred moment with God. Light and darkness cannot coexist. We can't pray a curse over somebody because God's not going to respond to that because we're praying to our own ego, not praying to the Holy of Holies. So God bless them. God bless their families, bless their health, bless their soul, bless their mind. Let them realize how much you love them even though they might have hurt me, even though they might have offended me and upset me and caused me harm. Today I choose not to hate my enemies. I choose to live at a higher standard. I choose to be a disciple and make Jesus my standard. Therefore, I will pray for my enemies. I will release them from the bondage that I've found myself in because of their hurt. And I will live a healed life, a whole life, a free life because I've encountered you. Because greater is he that is in me than he that has done something to me in this world. There is freedom and there is healing in this place this morning.